Hello everybody and thank you for joining me for this new episode of The Daily Optimist. Today is Thursday the 14th of January. It is the day after the second impeachment of our president here in the U.S., uh, Donald Trump. It is a another day that we are still battling coronavirus. Um, there are more plans coming to fruition for the vaccine. So that is the good part of that. Um, unfortunately, you know, there is still a lot of work that needs to be done. L.A. is having a terrible time at the moment. And it's like really, really bad. I know that's a, a, a terrible summation, but um, the numbers are like one person dies every six minutes. And that is just unspeakable. Um, but we are hopefully moving forward in general trying to get that vaccine out and uh we some areas are are going to be harder hit and hopefully they can um find their way through it so we uh i'd like to give them some well wishes and positive energy out in uh, la so uh there are so many things again that uh our, our world keeps spinning on and you know, it's uh, sometimes difficult to keep your, your mind in a positive place. And I'm hoping to be able to bring a little bit of that every day to you, at least Monday through Thursday, that is. And then give you a good setup to go into your weekend with um, more of a positive mindset and uh, a way to be able to face the, the week that comes next. So that by Monday, you, you're facing it and I'm back with you, giving you some more encouragement. I hope it's helping. Uh, it helps me. I hope it helps you. Let's see if we can help others. All right. My name, of course, is Elijah Manning, and you are listening to The Daily Optimist. Alright, so I have one shorter story to talk about, and then I'm going to talk uh, longer about the insurrection in the uh, U.S. So if you don't want to hear all of that, I understand, and you can skip ahead to the positive news section. So the first report is going to come from um, the WHO, the World Health Organization, that has finally arrived in Wuhan to begin their actual investigation. So there's 13 um, WHO scientists that uh, are now in Wuhan. They were supposed to go back on January 5th, but uh, the Chinese government had not uh, fully accepted their uh, their bid. I don't know what, what you would call that, but didn't give, fully give them permission to enter into the country. So they uh, had a couple people who had to camp out in Singapore until they were allowed into the country. So they're going to be quarantining, but they're still going to be starting their their work uh, while in quarantine. So the, they are investigating because this is where most people and most countries believe the origin of uh, the coronavirus began uh, in Wuhan. Uh, China has pushed back on that and um, they've said it was uh, first, you know, um, it may have been in the U.S. and then brought to China. Um, so... The investigation is is uh, about to be underway. 
Um, you know, like I said, they they had some pushback from the Chinese government, but uh, they are there now and they're uh, attempting to do some work. Uh, we know that China has had a difficult time, if you will, being authoritarian government, uh, al allowing real word of what's been happening to be published and um, to truly be looked at. Um, the ophthalmologist who, uh, you know, gave early warnings about uh, the coronavirus, you know, he was uh, roughed up, I guess, by the uh, government, I, you know, reprimanded, and um, I don't remember specifically what they did to him. And uh, I don't want to pronounce his name because I will totally butcher it. Um, but he, yeah, yeah, he was kind of the early, early on gave the warnings. And um, there's also, they have recently imposed a four-year prison sentence on a, uh, a lawyer turned citizen journalist who had been giving updates on the pandemic uh, and the effects in China. So they're still trying to quash anybody being able to talk about it. And um, right now we know that the country has reported fewer than 100,000 cases. That's according to um, John Hopkins University, where a lot of the data is being compiled. Um, but also, just as of uh, the past week, uh, Hubei, Hubei province, has put restrictions on 11 million people because there's been an uptick in new positive cases. So... Uh, I don't know what the investigation is going to yield. I, I don't know how much cooperation is going to be and what they're going to be able to find, but uh, it is interesting, and we will keep our eyes on that. So I'm going to switch to the insurrection here in the U.S. The impeachment did happen. Uh, the vote won't happen because our uh, senators of the GOP side uh, don't really want to push for it. Uh, so... It's not going to happen until like his last day in office, and then it won't officially be resolved until he's already out of office. Kind of a ridiculous moment, but um, they could be doing it today. But whatever, that's another, that's a whole other topic that I could go off on. But what I am going to really talk about is uh, there was some inside help that they're being looked at. There was a reconnaissance tour that has been talked about where. A member of the uh, House of Representatives, I believe, took uh, people on a tour the day before uh, they were supposed, or the day before, rather, the insurrection happened. Um, there's also word from Ayanna Presley that the panic buttons were removed from her office, and she, you know, she and her aides say that they never switched offices. They were there the last time they had a, a, a drill, so... Um, there's a, some, uh, police officers, not at the Capitol police, uh, but there's police officers around the country who have started being arrested because they were involved in the insurrection itself. So that is a scary moment as well. So, um, there's now being a breakdown of looking at the mix of sim symbology that was in the crowd, uh, they were far-right symbols from the Confederacy. They were Nazism symbols, white supremacy, and anarchy symbols. All right. So they all mixed together to create this insurrection. 
So you had uh, the Proud Boys. They are looked at by the FBI as a far-right extremist group with ties to white nationalism. They were present. And they were doing the okay hand gesture. And if you're not familiar with that, it's no longer being used as just the okay symbol. You can see pictures of it. It is being used as a symbol of white power. Uh, and it has been since 2017. That is according to the Anti-Defamation League. And also in other news but news that has to do with the white power symbol kyle rittenhouse was just recently seen drinking in a bar and flashing that white power symbol as well he is the 17 year old murderer uh, that was released on two million dollars bond i'm going to call him a murderer because he killed two people so at the black lives matter rallies if you're not familiar with that that's a whole other story I could talk on for, for a while. Um, but back to the insurrection, there were also the Q symbols, which is uh, QAnon. And if you're not familiar with the QAnon conspiracy, it is the conspiracy that Trump is helping to uh, destroy the deep state enemies that are devil-worshipping Democrats and child sex trafficking ring run by satanic pedophiles and cannibals. So that's what QAnon is. Um, and if you've seen the Save the Children groups, be aware that a lot of those Save the Children groups are QAnon supporters. Uh, they have a lot of um, people who think that they're looking at uh, just saving the children, but then they find that this Save the Children group is um, QAnon supporters. Um, there's also Nazi and white supremacist signs. There was a guy who was wearing a Camp Auschwitz shirt, and it read, Work Brings Freedom. And then um, that is the Nazi slogan that appeared on Auschwitz. Uh, that is the concentration camp. It works bring f Work Brings Freedom. That's what it said, uh, Camp Auschwitz, the actual camp, concentrations camp. Uh, there was also um, the... A uh, man wearing a shirt that, that was uh, making light of the Holocaust. It's the uh, the six million wasn't enough shirt. Uh, so it's the six M um, million M W E N. Six million wasn't enough. There was a shirt for that as well. There was also a noose that was uh, seen overlooking. They built a gallows. Um, and then right into the confederate flag so the the noose is a symbol of of obviously hatred against minorities and the history of the lynching and there's a white supremacist and extremist fantasy called uh, the day of the rope and that's the day that the traitors are going to be hung in the streets so then like i said that works right into the confederate flag and we know the confederate flag uh, some people pretend that it's just a symbol for the South, but it's uh, a white supremacist symbol because it's people defending slavery and uh, possible calls for a second civil war. There were anti-government symbols uh, that included people wearing Civil War t-shirts that you know said "Make America Great Again" uh, as well, and like they had the date of the insurrection on them, so they, this was a plan. They had the Don't Tread on Me flag, which has been adopted uh, to 
represent a new revolutionary war. And you've heard the chance of people saying, you know, 1778, which was obviously the original revolutionary war. Uh, so it is instead today it is used for, for to um, say that the government is the oppressor. And then there's people with the 13 star Betsy Ross flag, which is the 13 colonies and some uh, people with revolutionary war costumes. And then there was the three percenters flag, which is a symbol of far right American and Canadian anti-government militia group. And it, the myth is that it only took three percent of the American people to revolt against the British. So they're saying that a small number of quote-unquote patriots can be all you need to have a successful revolution. Uh, so those are some of the examples of the types of people that were in this insurrection that happened just last week. So to try to tell me that this wasn't a um, true coup or insurrection or if there's no racist ties and that there was no um, reason that they should have had the National Guard to begin with. Well, look at all of that. All right. Uh, I can't say any more about that at the moment. I'm just going to let that linger, and I'm going to switch over to some positive news. All right, I'll be back in just a moment. All right, time for the positive side of the podcast, if you will. All right, so the first story is going to come from the UK, where they will soon have a uh, register of tradeswomen, or women, I should say, not just one. Uh, so there um, is a not-for-profit project called National Register of Tradeswomen, and it's uh, by this group called Stop Cox Women Plumbers, uh, and what they're trying to do is have a place where uh, women who are, you know, homeowners, you know, single homeowners, or if they're in some kind of um, unfortunate relationship where their, uh, their man may have issues when they talk to uh, men, it will give them women to be able to come and do the job, all right? So the quote um, from the uh, the leader of it, Hattie Hasten, said, Women are scared to allow tradesmen into their home, and not only out of fear of the men themselves, but because of the reaction of their abusive partner if they talk to the tradesman or offer him a cup of tea. Being able to access a register of certified, fully qualified tradeswomen is one way they can take back some control. So... Despite the negative side of the reason that they have to do this, the positive is that they are doing it. So that is awesome news. Uh, they say nearly third of a third of women would prefer a female plumber to work on their home. That's uh, according to um, uh, WaterSafe, which is a plumbing accredita accreditation body. And uh, they already have about 300 verified tradeswomen who will be uh, able to do this. There's plumbers, electricians, painters, decorators, and then carpenters, joiners, uh, a few plasterers, car mechanics, general builders, and roofers. And um, so the whole idea is that um, it's not a searchable database, and in, instead it's like one that you have to be verified um, 
you have to get like a touch of the organization and they will personally verify uh, the trades uh, women to each job. So it's supposed to not launch until I believe uh, March of this year, but you know they're, they're still compiling and, and figuring it out. But there's also a plan to launch a trades w- trades women's college. Sorry, that's a bit of a tongue twister. And to train women to work specifically within the homes of vulnerable people who are experiencing domestic abuse. So again, not always the the best um, reasoning behind, or it's not the best. It's just unfortunate reasoning behind. But at least it's a a, a great outcome, and hopefully this helps and allows um, these women in general to feel more safe and it also helps to uh have business for the women who are part of the um the register all right so that is good news the second news story comes from a janitor at a hospital and um so he's been working there for a while and he talks about how he grew up in a tough neighborhood and he says uh tough neighborhood not a lot of positive things no one i grew up with had a dad but he was always taught to uh, help people. He said it was ingrained in me as a child that people were supposed to help each other. His name is Philip Ingram. And that has influenced to where he is now. So they call him Penny Man. And um, his idea was uh, a penny could help m- different people in as long as people are willing. So he started asking people to donate a penny. And... Uh, that penny turned into people donating uh, $1,400, which will be donated to a local boys and girls club. It all started with him, you know, being like, hey, you know, you can donate a penny here, penny there. Uh, that's why they call him Penny Man. So he was able to start a payroll deduction plan for the 6,500 employees that work at the uh, hospital. And, you know, the donations can start at 50 cents and go up to $5.00. And, you know, each one, then he'll be donating it to those groups as well. So, good for him learning how to pay it to uh, people that are in need. And, uh, and he, you know, the whole program, he's like, it was, I, I didn't want to do it or didn't know how to go about asking. But then he realized he should just do it. And now he says, sky's the limit. I don't try to put a cap on it or a ceiling or a floor on it. I'm just happy to do anything for anyone. And the people at his place of work have all responded uh, positively and they are building this together. So there we go. Some positive news for us as well. So now it's positive step time. All right, so you're for your positive step. So over the weekend, um, as we've been working on, you know, regrouping, thinking about your values and things of that nature. So now it's work on building a network. And I leave that for the weekend because the weekend's a little bit longer. So you can do this, start getting on that today and tomorrow. And you don't have to do it over the weekend, but it gives you the space to be able to, to do it over the weekend. And I know it's not the easiest thing right now because we can't have in face-to-face the way we used to be able to with the, the pandemic. But there are ways to network and, and learn about other people who can uh, provide assistance and help. So I uh, I want you to work on doing that. So it's, you know, um, people who can support you or who you can support, you know, help with advice. And it, it doesn't just have to be limited to your friends. It could be people you work with, people you know through other people. It can be, um, you know, 
um, it can be any any walk of life. It doesn't have to be anything specific. Just people who are like-minded, who are willing to support each other, uh, work with each other to accomplish a goal. And this can be, you know, whether you want to even just change something for yourself, or whether you're looking to change something for on a larger scale. So building a network of people who are looking to, to have similar changes in, in their lives and working together with you. All right. So that's going to bring me for, to my quote for today. And it comes from Yana Santa Tacumpo. And he is a uh, NBA MVP all-star currently. And, um, and he plays for the Milwaukee Bucks. But his quote goes like this. Before I leave this earth, I'm going to help people have a better future. That's it. Very simple. Before I leave this earth, I'm going to help people have a better future. So as you're building your um, your group, if you will, your uh, your network, you can uh, all work together and decide if, if it's you know building a better future for just you guys as the group, which is still fine because then that can still branch out. Or if it's the group is working together to to uh, have a bigger dreams and build a better future for all, you know you get to decide on this one. But uh, it can be a better future for you too, and that's okay because that can help inspire other people to then build a better future for them and maybe for others as well. So any positive spark in this is great. So that's what I want you to do. So again, his quote, before I leave this earth, I'm going to help people have a better future. See what you can do this weekend. All right. Thank you very much. I appreciate you making it through this episode of The Daily Optimist. I will be here with you again next Monday, and uh, we will see what the news of the weekend brought us. Thank you again. Uh, if you ever want to reach out to me, you can follow me on Facebook at The Daily Optimist Podcast on Facebook. On Instagram and Twitter, I am at The Daily Optpod, at The Daily O-P-T-P-O-D. You can email thedailyoptimist at yahoo.com. Please, please, please rate, subscribe, and share. Rate so that other people can find it. Subscribe so you never miss it. And share with anybody who needs a little optimism and positivity in their day. All right. Thank you very much again, everybody. I appreciate you all. Until next time, be well.